Well, years ago, I took a course on, it was actually a studio art course taught by a very serious professor, professor of painting, but he designed this course after years of working with art majors and other people who aspired to be painters, he designed a course specifically for non-artists, for people who would never be art majors, and he wanted to help us learn to be more creative and to learn how to see new things. And of the many unusual assignments that he gave us, early on in the course, we had one of the less unusual assignments, which was actually to do a painting, but not just a painting. He called it a color poem. And so the assignment was, he gave all of us a large piece of paper, thick paper, and on the paper was a rectangle that was drawn out with black lines. And inside the rectangle were smaller rectangles and squares, and essentially, it was like a coloring book. And our job was to fill in each of the fields, each one with a solid color. And actually, the first part of the assignment was to go and locate the art store in town and then find the part of the store where they sold the tempera paints and to get three types of paints, the three primary colors, red, yellow, and blue. And then when we did our paintings, we were to take those three primary colors and to mix on our own, to create whatever colors we wanted. Now, about a week later when we returned and we all put our paintings up on the wall to be critiqued, um, it turned out that some of the people in the class thought that wasn't really creative enough, and so they drew across the lines, and they were very expressive, and they shaded things within. And we never imagined how angry that pr professor of painting could be um, but he said, no, you completely missed the assignment. Color is enough. What you can do with the three primary colors and to create different colors, any color that you could imagine, you can make from just these three starting points. And we saw what he meant. The next week, everybody stayed within the lines and we colored solid, solid fields for each of them. So ever since this experience, I've realized that any time I see a painting, I can break it down and I can just see the colors. Every single painting that you look at, whatever the figures may be of that painting, every painting is a color poem. And the, the colors play against each other in relationship to each other. And each one of those colors began with the three primary colors and the way that those interplayed with each other to create infinite possibilities. And you, you may already be seeing this coming, but of course today it is Trinity Sunday, and I'm trying to work our way up to understanding the mystery of how God can be one in three and three in one, and the creative possibilities that that leads us into. And it's a slightly unusual day on the church calendar. Most of the special days of the church year are commemorating some event in the life of God's people, something that took place in the Bible, or perhaps a saint. And Trinity Sunday is none of those things. Trinity Sunday is about an idea, and a mysterious idea at that. The Franciscan, or yeah, the Franciscan priest and writer Richard Rohr has written extensively about the Trinity and 
And one thing that he says is when he was a young student, he was taught that something that is a mystery is something that is not knowable. It's a mystery. Don't even try to understand it. Just bow before it. But as he grew older, he came to realize that, in fact, that's not the case. It's not right to say that a mystery is not knowable, but rather a mystery is something that is infinitely knowable. You may not be able to contain all aspects of something that is a mystery, but you can approach it from infinite vantage points and know aspects of it and maybe even enter into it. And that is the experience with Nicodemus. Nicodemus, we hear about him today in the gospel, and if you're really paying attention, we had this exact same reading just a few weeks ago. They've brought it back for Trinity Sunday. And why? Well, Nicodemus came forward, and a little bit like those of us who were struggling to understand paint and color poems, Nicodemus's eyes were opened by his experience of Jesus. And so first thing we learn about him is that he is a Pharisee, and in fact, he is a well-respected member of that community. I'm imagining he's an older man with a long white beard. Um, he is famous, and therefore, when he goes to meet with this new person on the scene, this rabbi named Jesus, who is doing incredible things, and he wants to know what is going on, but when he goes to see Jesus, do you notice that first detail? He goes at night. And he goes at night for two reasons. One of the reasons is so that no one else will see him. He wants to go in secret. But I think even more importantly in the gospel, it's, it's showing us that, Jesus, uh, that Nicodemus is actually still walking in darkness, in blindness. And he is going to meet the one who the gospel of John reminds us over and over is the light of the world who is there standing, shining in the darkness. And they have this fascinating conversation. Jesus explains to Nicodemus the importance that in order to see, you need to be born from above. And Nicodemus doesn't understand this at all. He thinks that you have to climb back into your mother's womb again. And Jesus tries to unpack it to him. And it's interesting because by the end of it, we're not really sure if Nicodemus has quite gotten it. But there's more. Later in the Gospel of John, Nicodemus shows up again. And when he shows up, it is after Jesus has been crucified. Nicodemus is the one who arrives with the myrrh and the aloes. And he and Joseph and Arimathea together take the body of Jesus. And they lovingly cover him with the spices for burial and wrap him in linens. What it shows to me is that Nicodemus did get it. It maybe took some time. Maybe he needed to settle into and open himself into this new way of seeing and being. But he didn't just understand something new about God. He actually gave himself to it. He entered into it. I love the way that Cynthia Bourgeau talks about what wisdom, what wisdom really is. She says that, Wisdom isn't just to know more, rather, real wisdom is knowing with more of you. And that is the case with Nicodemus. 
And so this, this mystery of God, we can approach it, we can understand it in many ways, these three parts which are so creative. And, and we can understand them. Richard Rohr has a good way of talking about the three. The first part of the, tri- of the Trinity, God the Creator, also known as God the Father, he says is God for us. And God the Son is God alongside us. And God the Holy Spirit is God within us. And these three parts, if you think about it, they're in relationship with one another, and that means the image of God is relationship. The image of God is actually community itself. And what a beautiful hope that means for us. If we are created in the image of God, we are built for relationship, for community, and for stepping into the mystery of love. Amen.